It's the Stranger Nerds here. We have Mitchell Lee, Nick Izzo, Tommy Grant, and myself, Connor Vandermark. And we have here Season 2, Chapter 5, Dig Dug. Um, written by Kate Treffy and directed by Andrew Stanton on this one. Uh, you know, me personally, growing up, Dig Dug was definitely a big game. You know, Mac, uh, that was my mom used to love, and I had Namco Museum. So it's really, uh, I like seeing the, the game get some, getting a little love a little more in this episode. Um, if you haven't played it, give it a shot. It's a fun little arcade game. So, yeah. everybody, I'm glad you said that because I had no idea so, all these years I've watched this. I had no idea this was the actual game. I just thought it was some random thing they made up for the show. The, um, was it actually the like, kind of mechanic know. for the game? Like the kind of mechanic for the game is like in order to defeat enemies, you have to dig underneath them, and then they will come crashing down, and that's you kind of defeat them in a way so you have the whole idea is like you have to defeat all the enemies on the screen and then by doing so you progress to the next level gotcha um good game that makes sense it was it was like honestly like out of the old older style games that was one that definitely like especially on like the 80s style like it was it wasn't like the old atari stuff where it's like pong and things like that actually had no interaction and like thought on on how you have to tackle each level and not get killed. Gotcha. So. And that, that um, kind of ties so, yeah. into a little fun fact. See, so, yeah, a little fun fact. You know, it kind of ties in with directly with Hopper's storyline for this episode, where Hopper literally falls into a tunnel or climbs into a tunnel, if you will, and we find out the monsters just been digging tunnels all throughout Hawkins. So, is the Shadow Monster technically the hero of Dig Dug in the show? Is that how that works? Um, in his vantage, in his vantage point, maybe. Who knows? From then... from his POV, uh, I I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, right, another so, fun fact: of this um, episode, Andrew Andrew Stanton is the first big name director to actually come into Stranger Things, aside from the Duffer Brothers, which I thought was worth noting. Um, because in the past, most of the directors for the show have been kind of either first-time writers or they've had like one or two credits. Whereas Andrew Stanton has is one of the like, the original founders of Pixar, so he's got a lot of movies under his belt from Bugs Life, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, a whole bunch of different movies, even uh, live action such as John Carter and Obi Wan Kenobi show. So he he's Which a big interesting. Person. Because yeah. I, rem- I I watched this episode today, and that came up, and I'm like, Andrew Stanton, what the hell? That kind of came out of nowhere. But yeah, he's done uh, Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., some of the uh, the, the top-tier Pixar movies, yep. WALL-E, and then he also did John Carter, which is a steaming pile of dog shit. So <laughs> it's uh, but a he, very he mean. That him. movie was so good. <laughs> no, I need you to shut the hell up right now. No, it's not. Stop. Stop. Well, I mean, that, that was the, those those sarcasm. That was, um, oh, I thought you were being serious, sarcasm. Nicholas. I thought no. you were being for real, no. as the kids say. No. Oh, God, no. 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 It's hard to tell, no, Nick. No. You're just such a serious man. It's 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 hard to vary your your different. Uh, I thought I thought I put enough youth in, like you know enough lymph on. Okay. No, no, no. Continue. <laughs> Sure you did, Nick. 
We'll have to get you like a little emoji stickers to hold up when you're talking. Oh no. <laughs> oh. I'll just write sarcasm on a piece of paper and just put it put it in front as I talk. I like it. How about that? But so yeah, so I thought it was it, worth noting for Yeah. It's it's more for us. But uh so Andrew Stanton wrote uh directed this episode and uh next week's episode um the spy and those were definitely two of the better episodes of this season in my opinion so i think it was almost worth having kind of a more well-known director come in because if you've noticed a trend um all of the seasons the duffer brothers had it contracted where they wrote and directed the first and last two episodes of every season and kind of had random people fill in in between so it's almost like they confirm they have a good beginning and end, and it's up for the other people to make sure the middle's good and not bad. But bringing in a really well-known director kind of helps seal in the middle, which I think is funny with how weak the season was overall for those of us that have seen the entire show. But that's just my little fun facts for the uh, start of the episode. Before we continue, since I'm someone who's not really tied into TV slash movie industries, so Ooh. how often is mm-hmm. it that like you have different directors per like per part of ep- seasons or that's episodes? very common? Because like it's, I think it depends on the directors- size of the show and the writing cast. Um, and the and the and the kind of show it is. I mean, sitcoms are very well known for having different writers for different episodes, um, and sometimes it's a completely new writer for every episode. Some shows have a very small writing cast, and it's just the same cast for each uh, group. But I think Mitchell might be able to speak more onto that. At least it's as far as uh, it's it's very common. Um, one of uh, my my favorite shows so far this year. Uh, well, I guess I, not really so far. There's only a few days left. Is the Bear uh, on on Hulu? And there's been only two seasons of that, and there's been three directors so far. There's been the main director uh, Christopher Storer, and then Joanna Cal- Callow has done five episodes, and then Rami Youssef came in to do uh, an episode in season two. And sometimes it's even more common than that. Uh, but you'll see that you'll see that happen quite often when someone comes in and just kind of guest directs or uh, maybe they're involved in the writing uh, succession is a popular show that movie has had, or that show has had 13 different directors for the 39 episodes of the show. So it's Damn. very common. That's which, that's which I think can be very risky because you don't know the different kind of writing styles and that's, well, you'll see well they're not right. The, they're not. They're not writing the. Uh, it's well, just the directing. Directing. Yeah. The writing comes from the same writers' room or writer, the same showrunners. That's not changing. It's but, it's just. But the, even uh, still, the having all those different hands in the pot, it's like you see a lot of different styles going into different episodes, and it's, sometimes you'd be risky because, I mean, you take a you know, the hot topic of this decade being the new Star Wars trilogy. You have three different, you know, two directors with completely don't different. Don't make me go off. Don't make style. me go off. Don't make me go off. That's my, my that's my best example I can give. And since you have just and and whatever you think I'm going off, whatever you think I'm going off on, I'm not. 
that that's just my example. We won't dive into it, but it's it's the only we thing. We will I get there about. eventually. I I we will probably get there <laughs> in the year twenty twenty four. We will. But fact, I think we're definitely getting there for, in the, year for the sake of the example. It's just you know, if you have different, very, completely different directing styles in the same show or movie, you can get really good or bad reactions from it. But as far as Stranger Things goes, it's we've had so far very few bad episodes, and that's even a stretch to call it bad. But this season's definitely been very up and down. But um, so initial reactions for this episode, Connor and Nick, how'd you how'd you like compared to the rest of the show? Well, fuck you. I'm not giving you my opinion then. No. We'll save that for later. Go, Nick. <laughs> I, oh, I feel then. Mitchell's offended now. Should we, should we let him go? No. Yeah. Let let's, me let's let, let him know. stew for a little bit. No. Yeah. We, oh, we can't okay. let him speak yet. Oh, I, you just Nick? I just mentioned Star Wars. We can't let him speak now. We all let him process for a minute. Oh, gotcha. Um, I mean, besides for, I mean, I'm I'm trying not to spoil the entire episode. And you can spoil it. I mean, we're gonna one. go eventually. This whole thing is a okay, spoiler okay. discussion, so, Nicholas. Why keep calling you that? So, I've is okay. So you know how the other episode or week, whichever I forget when it was, like. We'd felt that nothing had happened. Yes. Which, so besides for Hopper getting saved and then the very, very end when, you know, Will's having his, like, seizure moment, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like nothing happened. Really? I, I felt like it was a snooze fest. Yeah. This episode? I just, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. can see your it's point. Just, um, However, I have to ask. Nothing, nothing what, grabbed me. What about me. Murray? Did you I like watch the entire thing? Nothing grabbed me. Really? Not uh, even Murray? No. 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 I'm disappointed here. I thought you would like Murray's no. character. No, I, I couldn't. <laughs> no, I didn't care for it. And okay, and I, I thought, I thought if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Bob to like. They probably wouldn't have made it in time, but I, I think yeah. we're losing. I don't, Nick I don't know. Just, it it I felt think... overall just overall just felt boring to me. I was just like, oh, okay. This what, would you would you like, have dropped it, off the nothing... show if you weren't forced to keep watching it at this point? At at for this season, yeah. Like, would you I like mean, just, after watching this episode? Would you have been few... like? Eh. I mean, like, I'm not willing to drop it, like, just snap of the fingers. I mean, just because there's a few episodes that don't immediately pique the interest, I'm not going to be like, oh, garbage, trash, like, my favorite shows have even gone through the same thing, but, you know, it's just, for me, it's just a personal lull, that's all. Okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, it's just how I guess, how I perceive what is currently going on. Just Yeah. Just it just doesn't feel like a lot. That's just that's just it. Connor, what about you? I I I did enjoy it. Um, I will rebuttal against Nick on this, and I think that yeah, I guess it's a lot more like underlying things that are going on. But like, 
I think that one this episode definitely brings up is the mixing of new relationships and conflicts um, that I think were very interesting, like, you no know, first impressions and like, like as a, we'll get into a little later when it comes to the Nancy Jonathan team up and um, Murray, um, the conflict you have with uh, Lucas and Mad Max, um, the other conflict in a way of Joyce and Bob. And then later also, Bob uh, seeing Joyce's concern for Hopper. Uh, and then you also have, you know, the overall conflict of the um, Eleven herself and dealing with her family. And I think there's a lot of like, like, underseeing turmoil with, I, I think turmoil is a good way to put it for a relative broader term of what we're seeing with the interactions between different types of relationships we have currently going on. That's fair. Mitchell, do you have anything to say? So, have you had well, now that my opinion before? is welcomed, I will say <laughs> that uh, I, I, I really enjoyed don't. this. Uh, I, will, I will fuck you up. Uh, uh, Play nice, I boys. really enjoyed this episode. I had a good time with this episode. I think that this was the one that kind of got me back. The last one was was good, but it didn't really like it wasn't like wow. This one, I don't even know if it was like wow, but it was like huh. All right. Good. And it was it's, it's good to be back on that track. Um maybe this isn't the most consequential episode in the world, but it was the one that I thought had the most that had me like, okay, I'm interested to see where this goes. Oh, that's an interesting thread worth pulling on. Ooh, that's gonna, that's something that I can't wait to see more of in in, in later stuff. Because I do think that as someone who has seen the show, this definitely hints at a lot, or not even hints, but it gives brief little glimpses of things to come. And I, and I won't even hint or nudge at what those things are or aren't, but it was something that I enjoyed personally because I know that it was some of the things that I really enjoy. Um, but just as an episode on a whole, I think that it it, is, it got some new character relationships going that we hadn't previously had. I really liked the stuff with Murray. Uh, that was a character that they'd kind of set aside for the last uh, few episodes. And I think that uh, his dynamic with Nancy and Jonathan was a, uh, a really nice back and forth and you get to see Nancy actually make good choices in this episode. She, she kind of has her brain screwed on correctly. So props to the writers for letting Nancy be smart. And yeah, I like the way that we are. We're, we're back on track. Yeah. Preach Mitchell. Fuck preach. You, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally, it, it's totally understandable. Like, uh, that. So brought the season back so, so onto we, it. I assume we've all played I assume I assume we've all played Mario Party, right? I that's a Which absolutely. one? Just just any of them like just just the concept overall. Any so of them, Connor. I feel like this is this is when you're at the end of ever at the end of the round and one person lands on the red spot and it's a 3 on 1 mini game 
I feel like I am, I am the one in that situation. Sorry. I'm just, you know. Oh, and besides for the stuff for eleven, I'll, I'll give you that because that stuff wasn't bad. But everything else was just like, eh. And, and eh. this, this was why I eh. posed the questions that I did. Very, 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 eh. I wanted to very, see eh. what your and Connor's reactions were to this episode when we finally found out what happened to Eleven's mom, which we will definitely get into later. But it, it's definitely like Mitchell was saying. They they kind of allude to a lot of stuff throughout the show, and you always kind of wonder with TV shows, like, are they actually going to resolve this storyline? Because we've seen many TV shows where they set up some big threads and then they just never close them and you're just left wondering to the end of time. Stranger Things does do a very good job of tying things together. But, so with that, do you guys want to dive into the episode? Let's go. Nope, no, 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 I'm just kidding. No? <laughs> I, I think this is a good place to cut the episode nope. off. Thanks for listening, everyone. Came here. I came here for uh, 16 minutes and 17 no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and all I got with this crappy shirt. So with that, let's, let's start. So that's right. We, we start, I think, with Will's storyline because that's kind of the underlying arc of the entire show. So I think it's worth talking about first. Um, we start off with Will talking with Mike and we definitely see a more intense relationship between Mil- Will and Mike in this season where in last season, Will Mike was kind of between Dustin and Lucas, whereas th- this season we definitely see Will as Mike's best friend. And we definitely see that relationship grow where Will is kind of opening up to Mike and telling him things that he's not even telling Hopper or his mom. And so he's kind of opening up and telling him how he can see everything that the Shadow Monster is doing, both in the Upside Down and in Hawkins. And he kind of goes into how the more it's spreading, the more he feels connected to it, which kind of goes more into our, you know, Will's kind of possessed theme going on here. But... Mike's being the good best friend saying, Hey, like, you know, you can be like a super spy. You can tell us what's going on. Trying to like make Will kind of feel better in the shitty situation that he's in. And Will brings up the point of what if the monster can spy back? And that kind of brought kind of a Harry Potter kind of vibe to it. For those that have seen it with uh, the Horcruxes and the connection between stop shaking your head, Mitchell, shut the fuck up. No, 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 no. Connor and I got to take the floor on this one. We were talking about this. Really? Um, uh, buddy boy, uh, Schnapp. My God, this kid can't act. Oh, my God. Nothing he, to do this with this was a horrendously acted scene with him. We and have Finn, set, Finn Wolfhard is acting circles around this No, Schnapp can't act. We have set this record. I am not praising his yes, acting. But this isn't I'm praising act. the relationship. This isn't can't act. This is like actively bringing the scene down. Yes. Like Finn Wolfhard is just there. Like again, it's like he's trying to act with the plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. But like <laughs> the plank is trying to have human emotions. And it's just like, oh my God, please, for the love of God, somebody get this doofus off screen. And Mitchell, you I, and I know it doesn't get better from here. So it, it's just. Oh, no. In fact, it does get worse. Yes, it does. Much, 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 much worse. But uh, the, this is. You're making me really excited to keep watching. 
And luckily, it seems like for a lot of time, they do ignore him. Uh, he's never really a main character, although he's, his experiences drive the plot. Yeah, it, it's just, he's definitely the weak link, and we, we see it. But in terms of the actual show, Mitchell, in terms of the plot, not the acting, the relationship between Will and Mike is definitely growing, and we see that. Despite the acting is how bad it is. Yeah, but if the acting is that bad, I don't buy it. You don't need to buy it. You can just at least like I buy what they're going for. I buy the relationship between Max and why am I blanking on the damn kid's name? Lucas. You're racist. Yeah, Max and Lucas. Like, I buy when they're in scenes together. And we'll get into that later. But, like, that's something that I think that those two have incredible chemistry. So, I maybe I'll spend a little bit more time highlighting the people that I think really do work well in scenes together moving forward. But So, so should we I just, just could not point it out? Entire arc, entire arc from the show and just not talk about it? I mean, we're going to have to talk about it. As long as the writers are talking about it, we got to talk about it too. So, All right. So let's, I'll let's say move this. on from I will say from this. Haunt, I, I will make one comment on this. I'll make one comment on this. For the fact that this has to do with Mike and, Mike and Will, this being the scene, with what the character Will's going through, having the actor being you know, emotionless also kind of... Because like, the kid's like, no... It, we're, we're assuming the kid himself is going through trauma and having a kid who showed no emotion that kind of looks shell-shocked the whole time it, it kind of works like i'm not opposed by it i would say that as as a first-time listener i'm like it's it's too it's not a pool point where it's affecting my my watching yet the only the only scene i mentioned to mitchell was the very end which we'll get to in a second we'll get to later on when we talk about <laughs> it um but otherwise, like I, I honestly, I did not think it was so egregious yet. Uh, I'm, you know, as you say, it might get worse later. We'll, I will see when it comes to it. Um, but I, I think that, I think that it's it's been fine. I, I have I have no qualms so far um, for the for the rest of the episode for this one. So, and I do agree with Tommy. You no, know, getting back up, getting the railroad back on track here. Um, Yes, very similar to Harry Potter Voldemort thing. It's like they can kind of see each what they're each other doing, and or possibly in that situation. And yeah. I'm very intrigued how if the if there actually is foreshadowing to what Will saying that oh, can he spy back on us? Because we don't really like we know that the monster has feeling, and we assume it's intelligent. Um. But there's no actual sign of actual communication yet or using Will's knowledge against him. So, or Will's, I guess, I won't say knowledge, but Will's experiences against him. Like, oh, no. Like, for example, Mike's a good friend of mine. And so in turn, he could be one of Will's weaknesses. That's the kind of information that maybe Mm -hmm. the monster can gather. So... I'm kind of curious if if he can spy, quote unquote, spy back through Will. How, um, if that is a case of foreshadowing, how will he use that against 
the the members of quote unquote the reality world. I I like that you pose that question because we will get to that in a few episodes. Next episode is in fact titled The Spy. So that kind of puts a little context behind what we'll they're going on. <laughs> so now you know it's definitely <laughs> going to get touched on. So but I'm glad you're thinking of it. But cutting away from Will so Mitchell can relax for a minute, we're going to talk about how Hopper has a little exploration mishap in the Upside Down and uh, gets squirted with some Upside Down juice. Because I... It was just an awkward, kind of weird thing how they had just... <laughs> Every time I watch it, I laugh when he gets just sprayed. It's just, like, of all ways to attack him, like, that's the way to do it. But, um... So we see him collapse, just coughing a bunch of shit out because he's getting sprayed with all these different probably toxins and God knows what. And we see the little hole that he dug seal up. So now he's officially trapped in the upside down. And all of a sudden, Will on, wakes um, up want... back to Will again. What? Um, I didn't cut you off. One thing that I thought of that, that did come up in this episode is like... I, we understand that the the monster itself for this one, we kind of assume it's the shadow, Wait, the season? shadow thing, which mm-hmm. for the season, yeah. Or um, I kind of assume it's the shadow thing that Will's been drawing that's currently now residing inside of him. Yes, like, that he that is like the overarching villain it, for this. Season. Okay, so like. If he's if he's also part of the vines too, like kind of the thing that kind of in, I guess intrigued me is that like because the fact that I'm just going to put it in uh, in the upside down, you you do see things that occur in the reality, like you no know, trees and um and plants, and like there's things that they are they're same in the one world, same in the other. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious what doesn't reflect back, and like, because to me, like, oh, if are these spores attached to the monster? Is it just one giant hive mind kind of situation? Like, it's I'm really like, uh, what the overall scoping entity is, I'm not sure of yet, and okay. you know, it sucks that like Hopper, like to me, like I thought, like like kind of like a like a fungus spreading spores. Like spewing at him, like so if yep. you like sometimes you touch some mushrooms, like it can it can spew those kind of things uh, spores out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely got to kind of remind me of the situation, but you no, know, I'm kind of curious what other if everything is connected to this one thing, how far does it go? Of like, what abilities does this thing have? Okay, I mean, I'm not gonna say anything because that kind of ties into the rest of the show. Yeah, but, we'll get to it. I, something that, yeah. I just wanted to know. This is what's going through my mind as I'm watching this. Yeah, it, it's think of the upside down as a whole. I mean, it literally is a whole new dimension. So you get a whole new variety of not just monsters, but I guess plants. You could say in this in this mm-hmm. sense, fauna. So it's the spores aren't directly connected to the monster, but they are entities that can be used by the that monster. Live I guess you could say. But yeah. Okay. That that's the best I could say without spoiling anything. 
spot. Luca's so, yeah. So we see Will waking up in a panic and runs to tell Joyce that he sees Hopper in the upside down and that, you know, in as best of a dramatic sense that Noah Schnapp can give, he's like, Hopper's going to die. And again, it's just another Harry Potter moment where Harry wakes up with the dream of Arthur Weasley being attacked by the snake and wakes everyone up saying, hey, thank you, dad's dead. But it's just, again, Noah Snap can't act, and it's just that scene falls short. And it just makes me laugh every time I see it because it's just, it should be a very dark, messed up scene where it's like, oh shit, Hopper's going to die. But it's just the way he presents it, it just is comical. But I know we've shit on Noah Snap enough today, so we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> so it kind of goes back and forth between Hopper and Will in this whole sequence of scenes, if you will. Uh, where we have Hopper waking up again, and he makes a little makes your face max because he realizes he's probably breathing in a really shit ton of chemicals and toxins that are gonna hurt him. And then he starts leaving a trail of cigarette buds, which I thought was kind of funny because I don't know if he's trying to f- make a trail for himself or if he's hoping that someone else is gonna magically stumble into the upside down and find him, but. I don't know what his exact motive was, but he left a little trail of cigarette buds. <clears throat> then switching back to Will, he starts making up this map of all the tunnels because they're trying to figure out where Hopper is. And Joyce keeps asking me, like, where is he? Like, trying to get answers out of him. And she finally goes, like, can you show us? And he starts just scribbling page after page after page of just different colored. And turns out to be a giant map. And then poor Bob shows up and he's just trying to be a nice guy. And Joyce is like trying to push him off because they don't want to invite him into the chaos that is their house of we have a partially possessed kid that's now drawing a giant map of random colors and have no idea what's going on. And it's just the Christmas light fiasco all over again. But I give Bob credit. He he's trying to be a good, you know, father figure for Will and he bring stuff over for him to try and, you know, comfort him because he just thinks that Will's under the weather. But Bob's the Will. man. Bob the man. Bob, Bob saves this season. Bob was the best. Bob is a builder of solid foundational relationships. He, yeah, he was. And I, I think... think he was a hero of sorts. He was. And... There, Will there definitely needs little, it, and Joyce needs it. Um, there's a lot of little things in this, like definitely in this episode that I really enjoyed, and like one that popped out to me was how much paper we're going through for <laughs> Will to make this giant map, and we, it gets to the point that they're actually using um, Christmas wrapping paper as stuff for Will to draw on. Yes, and I'm like. It's just like it's getting to the point where like anything we can find, get it now. Like dig through the <laughs> whole house and get anything you can get our hands on. He can draw. And it's I funny it's because so funny that you like the the scaling of this picture could have been downsized drastically, and it's just you don't realize how much he colored until they have it set up all around the house, and they're physically running room to room, which is it's everywhere. Yeah, it's like the dining room. Oh, that's where that dining room is. Yeah. What I want to know is oh, how. That was, I... 
how many sets of crayons because he was only using two or three colors how many times that's did true. they have to run out and get more crayons because that fucker <laughs> I wonder the done. same thing so thank you for asking that. you you are welcome because you you and i have similar uh thinking patterns here but i mean he was scribbling hard so he definitely had to wear out a crayon after like four or five pages and there was at least a hundred in that house definitely more so no pike pike close to a thousand yeah well i, I i'm not gonna guess a number because there's too many pieces of paper but anyway color crayons aside uh, yeah but bob, bob is bob is someone i'm like real trooper like and i i feel bad for him this scene because like he wants to know and he wants to help yeah but I don't blame Joyce for he, not letting he's in, him in on this. Yeah, he kind of is. I'm like, like, I know like, everyone's Joyce afraid or, to share. Like, everyone's afraid because we, we, I, they don't want to disclose the government secrets and they sign you know NDAs and stuff like that. But it's like Hopper came, uh, Bob came over to help and Joyce was basically giving the runaround and basically told him to leave. And only when she realized, oh, wait, Bob's good at puzzles. We can use him. Only then did they allow him in the house. Like, they, they basically just use Bob for his brain at this point. But. But at the same help. time, because th this is why this is why I kind of like this episode, because you have a nice foil here where I'm, I'm going to touch on it now. We have the scene with Lucas and Max mm -hmm. where Lucas does share with Max. Hey. I don't want to leave you out. This is the shit that's going down. And Max just looks at him and just laughs at him. Like, oh, it's a great story. And doesn't believe him. Like, the the amount of, for lack of a better word, fuckery that's been happening in this town is to a point where it's so unbelievable. And um, and it, it even even um, Murray even comments on that. This this is too much. Yep. We, need it, we need to... Um, dilute this to make this more tangible for the regular public to know and bob is part of the regular public and yep. I, I he definitely would be more understanding after i i, I would say bobby understanding person after seeing actual evidence and like i could see him being like a ghost hunter kind of guy so like i could see him definitely like being more accepting of it but i also don't blame joyce because also joyce has seen how other people have seen Joyce has very dealt with other people thinking she's crazy. She doesn't yeah. want to go through that again. And but she was also called crazy by people that really didn't care about her enough. Where in, this instance, where in this instance, they're in a dire situation. It's like the fault of last season is what we spoke about is how they didn't communicate and inform people because they could have had help earlier on. Here we're at a point where we have someone who wants to help. And I think it's trustworthy and loyal enough to not just go spreading the information around town. Basically, like, hey, this is what happened. Like, Bob would keep his mouth shut, but they don't tell him anyway. And this is the I time to he, get allies. I hope he does get more into the group. Like, he gets more let in because obviously he's, he's going to have questions now. Especially him being down. Like, and good for him that like, he he jumped in with Joyce and he took the plunge with her. And 
I'm I really hope that after the shit he's already seen, they're going to let him in. Like this is what's been going on. No, these nightmares are actually reality that he's been going through. Yeah, I, that, that's a very hopeful thing of you to think, Connor. I I hope so. <laughs> but um, so Bob does give a or Sean Aston I should say gives a great Goonie reference where they're looking at the map and he sees the X and he makes the joke of what's at the X pirate treasure, you know, obviously being a Goonies reference for those who have seen it. Um, so then we get Bob being the smart man that he is starts recognizing patterns in the map that will was drawing. And we find out that this was a map of Hawkins and he realizes that the tunnels act like roads or in his words, they act like roads and they don't go through water sources, which means it's going around them. And he can see shapes which kind of outline different things, which one of them was Lover's Lake, based on, I guess, like a heart-shaped look to it. So he instantly realizes, like, all these different spots that are in blue are water sources. And they can basically measure out the locations to figure out where Hopper is, which was pretty fucking smart on Bob's point. And he basically saved Hopper's life at that point. Cause I don't think if Bob had realized that they would have ever figured out what this was a map of mm-hmm. because looking at it, it's just one, the fact that it covered multiple rooms. So you don't have just it in front of you in one big picture. And it was all over the place. It was just a bunch of loops and swirlies. And it's like, who the hell would have known what that is? But Bob measures out all the locations and kind of pinpoints his spot on the map and says it's probably around here, which conveniently enough was where Hopper dug his little hole. And so at that point, we switch back to Hopper, who ends up getting trapped by the vines in the upside down and ends up just like Barb and Will, where he's basically pinned down without the vine up down his throat yet. But I'm sure that probably would have happened if he was there a little bit longer. Um. And we have a quick cut scene to Dr. Owens who are basically taking samples of dirt from all the farms and they put a flame to one of them. And kind of to Connor's point earlier with the hive mind scenario, we see one patch of dirt react to all the others. So we kind of see a hive mind type reaction, which I think could give a little bit of idea of, of how everything's starting to connect via the upside down with some either virus or just maybe just physically being from the upside down. They're all connected. We don't really know that yet, but they're definitely showing that dirts from all these different farms are reacting by one of the samples of dirt being hit by fire. So that can kind of give you a little hint. And, Uh, um, one thing I commented, uh, I have my notes of on my phone here. I was like, oh, like, you know, with that reaction, like, oh, is the soil alive? Like, does it, does it, does it feel also, or like how much is, when how much is the upside down spreading to the real world? Mm-hmm. And um, that's another thing where I'm like trying to, like, I'm really intrigued how they're going to keep going <laughs> forward with this. Like, oh, like, Yes, we've seen this giant tunnel system, but what's the what's the true payoff here? And like, yeah. as, as in the, with the monster, and I'm, I'm kind of I'm really curious how they're going to you know keep the plot driving on this. 
Yeah, it, it definitely takes an interesting turn, and we'll we will see a resolve to some of it this season, but I won't say how or why, obviously. Um, but we do get a little bit of a solution to it. Um, so then after this, we have Joyce, Bob, Will, and Mike finally arriving where Hopper is, and Joyce and Bob. Bob goes in like a champ, not knowing what the hell he's going into. Joyce and Bob jump into the hole to find Hopper, and they find him tied down, and they save him, and just in time, the government agents show up, and they torch the place, and that's where we get, I'm sure, the scene that you and Mitchell were talking about, where Will just goes into a full-on... I don't even know what to call it. A, a seizure or... I was... Okay, so like, my it text... Was the most believable seizure ever. Duh. <laughs> Duh. My Duh. text Mitchell, to that was sarcasm. Mitchell, that was sarcasm. I'm just not going just to acknowledge it. <laughs> my text to Mitchell, I sent him a text right after I saw that. Was, yes, you did. Quote, Will looked like a fish out of water at the end, end of that one. Like, just his face, like, kind of like, it's like his lips are puckered out. He's like, his cheeks look like, like just squished in, like like a fish trying to breathe. Like, you know, you kind of suck your mouth in. Mm-hmm. And just like pulsating back and forth as he's like, like uh, attempting to convulse. And I'm and, like. And this was my joke from a couple episodes ago when Will initially gets attacked by the shadow monster and he's just standing there having a little seizure in the field they he just that was better that was 10 times better if he did it again i'm like okay, it was 10 good. times better because half of the imagery was cut out because they had to throw the, Im- the shadow monster into it and they were spinning around him in circles this was just a straight on shot of him and you can see yeah. how bad he is at doing it yeah i also texted mitchell 10 times worse than the first one <laughs> yes <laughs> so this, this is absolutely this is this is in the notes <laughs> Uh, now, or the, yeah, the it, was, it, was, it was bad. Now, um, the bad will imagery set aside, this should connect a few dots for you with the upside down getting burned and will instantly fall into the ground screaming. Did that give any hints to you at all as to what's going on with the whole upside down shadow monster connection? Oh, yeah. It's. T's. How I'm seeing it is that the the monster can f- still like has a connection to the tunnel and like again kind of hive mind ish or hive mind ish um, where whatever the monster's feeling will can also feel. Um, that's how I understood the scene. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I want to comment though is with the scientist with the dirt is a kind of realization of dr owens like oh shit we are something is really going on yeah like because at least they took action immediately because they they took action without even knowing that they were out there and of course them trying to cover it up but at least they took action on it and of course there's other boys out there but like yeah it was kind of it was definitely a it was definitely a wake-up call for the Hawkins Laboratory of, yeah, something else, something's bigger happening here. And I'm, I'm curious how Hopper's interaction with them now is going to, Hopper's interaction with the laboratory now is going to increase or 
their relationship going forward. Yeah. Like, is the laboratory actually going to be, um, you know, cooperative with them? Or are they still going to try to cover things up? Or, you know, what is their... Um, what is their plan of attack and motives in the end? Like, what yeah. is their end goal? I, I wanted to circle back to Nick on this one too. Do you, Nick, do you still feel like Dr. Owens is a bad guy after this episode? Are, are you, yeah. are you starting to falter a little bit and see both sides? Or are you still fully convinced he's a bad guy? Uh, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean falter? Like, do I, do I think there's some good in him? Yes. Like, because in my opinion, I, I, had, had the doctor, I think been there reversed, are minor, there are minor traces. Okay. But you're, you're, I still anti teen Dr. Owens. I think there's minor traces, but I still think that his ultimate end goal is for something not pleasant like i just i think at the i think at the end of it he's got ulterior motives okay it's just because what he, just, he has scene. that face he's got that interaction he's got that vibe that just to me okay. it's just like yo you're up to some conniving shit you bastard like that's just that's just how i feel about him so I feel like if the roles were reversed and this was Dr. Brenner, I feel like Dr. Brenner would just let them all die in the Upside Down and then come in afterwards and just torch the place and be like, oh, didn't realize there was people down there. But Yeah, and like, here's the thing. So like, to for me, for, for a guy like that and for a guy like Brenner, like, it's it's nice that that Hopper is keeping things quiet for them. But they would have done their little experiments anyway. They would have done whatever they wanted to do without Hopper Hopper getting into it. So like that that to me is why I always think that that ultimately he's got ulterior motives because without Hopper like to me he, I don't think he gives a shit if he's watching over keeping the town quiet he's gonna do his experiments you know because he's got the security and you know well what, yeah. what's someone gonna do about it good point uh, so tom i, I have s- a question for you yes why have we spent 46 minutes talking about all the least interesting parts of this episode because i figure you get the worst part i think of it's the interesting yeah it didn't oh no stop Stop. Hey, this stuff we, we have first-time viewers here. This is interesting. We have seen it multiple okay. times, Mitchell. Okay. I just... I I, I thought I was going to be the one championing this episode the most, but you've got me rethinking things. I, I think it was... I, I think it was interesting. Like, going back when it comes to... um, I know, Nick, you're shaking your head. Uh, <laughs> I had to at least comment on that. Like, when it comes to... Um, what was the other doctors? Dr. Owens. Like... I still see him more egotistical. Like I see him as someone who, like he he thinks he's the one who's right. But like, but once evidence is thrown, actual evidence is thrown in his face of like, oh, the soul is kind of fucked up. Then he's like, oh shit, I gotta fix this. Like, he's it, yeah. it's more of like a full full of himself situation. And, and to answer um, your question, Mitchell, 
we we have to spend this much time on Will's story arc because unfortunately Will is connected to some of the best characters in the show, such as Hopper, Joyce, and Bob. And I will be damned if I skipped over Samwise Gamgee's part in this role in the show. I so mean, you do what fun. you want, but it was definitely the least compelling part of the show. And that's why we're going to now move on to bigger and better things, which is the part I was more excited to talk about with Connor and Nick. And that is the revelation of what happened to Eleven's mom. You've seen this, Mitchell. You knew what happened. Don't shake your head at me. Eleven's mom. We find out what happened. I thought that was a very important part of the show. I was surprised that we had to pay off so quickly. Yes. Yes. That part that part was very important. I do admit. So um, we we definitely it's a very short sequence of events in this episode, but it's very straight to the point. Um we have Eleven walking through the house realizing that oh shit, my mom's actually trying to communicate with us because she sees all the light flickerings and Becky kind of just realized, like, it's just the lighting in the house. It's bad. But we get more of the actual sequence in that Terry is repeating the same things over and over. And it's breathe, rainbow, three to the right, four to the left, sunflower, and 450. And we get 11 going into the void to find her mom and sees her mom's nose bleeding. So that kind of gives a hint like her mom kind of has the same powers or similar powers to Eleven. So that answers that question. And we see it's all the different phrases are connecting to scenes from when she had Jane to when Jane was taken away from her. And then she goes on this whole hunt to find Jane. And Connor was right last episode where the numbers alluded to uh, combination to a safe but it had a gun and that was what was in the vault and she took the gun shot a security guard and basically went on a manhunt through hawkins lab trying to find her kid which i'm surprised she made it as far as she did but i guess that's why they have so much security in that lab now but possibly <laughs> and then rainbow was alluding yep. to the little rainbow sticker outside of Jane's door, which we also see Jane sitting with uh, number eight, or Callie, who is the girl we saw in the first episode of the show. So we definitely, we got to see a little uh, connection between the two characters and see that they're a little more connected than we originally thought. So Connor, Nick, and Mitchell, what were your reactions to the scene? <laughs> Y'all yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, again, I was not expecting to get this information so quickly, um, but like, it was definitely a interesting turn seeing her like, I guess her, the mom story arc all story arc all play out at once, uh, where. And it was definitely interesting seeing, like, Eleven, like, literally experience that through her visions that the mom was giving her. Um, like, her going in, no, no, seeing, seeing Dr. Burner's face taking the baby, and then, like, trying to deal with 
pretty much the gaslighting that she has, you know, unintentional gaslighting, I guess, I guess from Becky, but like, you know, knowing that her child was alive and was not a stillbirth. Um, and then her going crazy in the lab and, uh, it you it's definitely I'm one I'm really curious how Levin's gonna is gonna process all this information because to her, someone who does not really know how to, to deal with her emotions yet, I I'm wondering how she's gonna react to it. Because we didn't really get a re- a full on reaction after the fact. Yeah. And and we do finally see what actually put Eleven's mom kind of in that state where she was yeah basically state, strapped yeah. down and given electroshock therapy at the maximum voltage, which was what the uh, four fifty meant. So instead of killing her, they just simply made her into a vegetable. Yep. So that was what I thought was probably the most interesting, but very short sequence of events of this episode. We see a lot more progression to Eleven's backstory and what happened to her at her birth. I gotta say the, um, I think, I don't know if it's a director thing or not, but like having at the very end, going through the mom's mind of, cause she's no, we see the, the we see the individual events separately. And mm-hmm. then we revisit the events at the very end while the mom's saying it. And how I took it was like, oh, she's pro- she's reliving all these events over and over and over and over and over yep. again. She's and basically in her own personal hell. Yeah, and she's just taking these quick snapshots. And like having the audience and you know, be with Elle going through this i thought was a very good way to to have that come across the way that it did i agree so if anybody else has any comments i think we'll move on to my favorite part of the episode and the introduction of probably my favorite character of the season and that being the infamous Murray, the private investigator that Barb's parents hired. So we move on. Jonathan and Nancy go on another little adventure. They get a hotel room and share separate beds and have a very kind of down to earth conversation of, you know, why we drifted apart, all that kind of nonsense, all things Mitchell, I'm sure, was hating. Because why would I hate it? Because Nancy was slowly going, basically straight up told him, told uh, Jonathan that she was waiting for him. Team anti Nancy, so hard right now, <laughs> so hard. Yeah, no, I, always, I actually, always F O B. Because the, the conversation literally Get went off the screen. She Re- said I had no problem with it. Really, I, I'm shocked. No, I, I thought it was in character for. <laughs> All people involved. Uh, just, so. uh, that's that's aggressive. There it is. <laughs> so we we hey. are all full, fully on team anti Nancy. I all for it. I'm but not it, on team anti Nancy at this current moment in time, and that's because of the way that she interacted with Murray. I thought that Jonathan again. Too many people in this series playing the role of Plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, just standing there looking 
out into space, whereas Nancy seemed to uh, communicate with Murray quite well. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is the love triangle aspect of it. I think yeah. Nancy, over, I'm, I'm saying Nancy as a relationship item. That's what I'm saying, anti, team anti-Nancy. Like, she is smart, and I thought she was a very good episode for her. And, and as I said the other day, too, Nancy, I think Nancy is held back by Jonathan and Steve. If she didn't have them in her life, she'd be going much farther places. Well, yeah, you can say that about any teenager. Yeah, but it we visually see it because Steve is just the dumb sure. jock that, you know, kind of keeps her on the preppy side and not looking to strive for her future, and Jonathan is just the not to say deadbeat, but he's not really going Doofy anywhere. Doofy little nobody? Huh? Doofy little nobody? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, it's just like there's nothing. He's not bringing anything to the table. No. That can really make Nancy thrive. And that's where I'm team Nancy because she definitely deserves better. But in terms of the love triangle, yeah, team anti Nancy. It's just she just plays with both of them in their heads. I mean, she's straight up. This she subplot was all about Murray, though, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, this was all. Um, this was kid. all about them setting Murray straight, and then Murray kind of helping them with. If you have this overall goal of taking them down, here's the more realistic way to go about that than just here's yeah. what we have. Believe us. So. They basically, I just love Murray's setup and how he's just in this like little warehouse bunker home that he's made for himself. And I told Connor the other day before he watched it to let me know when he saw it because it was instantly a Charlie Day from Always Sunny reference where you just have the conspiracy board of just a million different strings connecting to a million different things. And it's just a giant clusterfuck of a board. It's and, the Silvia meme, people. Pepicillia. Yeah. <laughs> so those that have seen always sunny will understand that but nancy like we just said like she instantly goes just starts punching holes in murray's kind of line timeline that he has set up and you see murray's face kind of drop when she just starts just dropping facts like oh the girl wasn't russian she was american her name was 11 you know, Bar wasn't here at this time. Like, all these different things. And Murray's just like, oh, shit. Like, this girl actually knows what she's talking about. Like, he took them in as kind of a little joke. He didn't think they were going to have anything factual. But Nancy proved him wrong. And that definitely gave a lot more credit to Nancy's character. And that she's actually smart and knows what's going on. And like you said, Mitchell, like, she knows how to interact with people intellectually. And actually hold a conversation and be like, hey, this is actually what's going on. I think Nancy does this thing that I think a lot of us are guilty of, especially as teenagers. And that is dumbing ourselves down for people or yeah. rising to the occasion when certain <clears throat> challenges, like if we need to be smarter in a situation and speak with more emphasis, we can do that. But if we think that being dumber will attract somebody... Well, as a teenager, you're going to start hitting your head with some hammers. Yep. That's just uh, <laughs> that's just the way that it goes. But and then so they finally start going into the whole story of what happened. Um, they show him the tape and 
Murray just instantly just gets out the vodka and Jonathan and Nancy don't understand what he's doing. And he kind of brings out the whole analogy of it's too strong and you got to water it down. So amen to the alcoholics out there because Murray just pulled out a great analogy using alcohol. Amen to the alcoholics <laughs> out there. As I sure, said, okay. my bourbon. Yeah, you have a message for anybody? <laughs> As you drink what is, I'm sure, bourbon? It is. That's oh, what I well. just said. So Alcoholics Anonymous right across the corner. That's for quitters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought you're right. I do like Murray. I, I think he's a very fun character. Um, I'm looking through your show doc here and I want to definitely want to, you know, touch on some things with him. Uh, Spell check it. Good Lord. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. <laughs> Look. Look. On the fly. <laughs> on the fly. I, I'm not sitting here for... This isn't being submitted for grading. It's just notes. It's not. Um, so I just want to clarify because, like, he it wasn't the immediate analogy at first because it did take him some time to think about the analogy. Yeah. And that's why he, like needed he had vodka. He needed to think and process as we do. Because, um, like, as someone who definitely does, like, you know, I code once in a while, and like, I have to have a certain setup for me to code in because of the fact that, like, if I'm not in the right headspace, you're kind of screwed. And like, you got, you literally have like writer's block. And I can definitely see Murray. No, at first, I thought Murray was crazy. And no, there are some things that he's, is he, he's not crazy like Joyce is or Joyce was seen as previously. I, I think he's, just, I wouldn't even say he's crazy. He's eccentric. Eccentric is the right word. Yes. That's, that's the word I was looking for. Um, because the fact that like he sees something up. He like he, he's definitely sniffing around. He's not getting much, and like definitely Nancy is the golden goose that he's been looking for. Mm-hmm. And like he literally he did they, they Nancy and uh, Nancy and Jonathan did not introduce themselves. They he saw their faces, knew exactly who they were immediately yep. once they he had knows everybody. He's and, been doing his homework, and, and yeah, he's something that goes to show how good of a, a journalist he was because we know he was a quote-unquote disgraced journalist and it's that he knows and understands how the world works and Mm -hmm. jonathan and nancy being young and stupid don't and he brings up a great point when they're like you know it's clear as day and he's like you don't need me to believe you i i've already brought you in like i know something's up he's like you need the people out there the everyday american people to believe your story and he says you know Another great quote of, you know, once the government comes out and says something official like bullshit, everyone else is going to follow and tell and say, yeah, it is bullshit. So he kind of is like, hey, you need to really work on the story and make it relatable enough to the everyman person to understand what's actually going on, because this is a bunch of craziness that you're presenting. And like, and the, the reason why earlier in the episode, I brought up turmoil because you have different types of turmoil going on. You have, you know, for the turmoil for these two is more of a maturity thing of Nancy being a young kid thinking, oh, my story is not being believed. He's just another nobody. Mom Murray, on the other hand, is being a lot more mature. I'm thinking, you know, from a journalist side of view, 
yeah, this is something that is goes deep, but I need to make sure that this thing gets read and understood. And like, no, they brought it up. And then once Nancy kind of, it clicked in her brain of, oh, you're diluting the story to make it a lot more digestible for people to understand. Um, and the one reference they brought up was the Three Mile, Three Mile Island accident, which for those of you who don't know, was a nuclear power plant in Pennsylvania that had a, uh, well, I believe this was a nuclear fallout. Pennsylvania? And it was Pennsylvania. Um. Yeah, yeah, uh, Lundery County, Dolphin County, Pennsylvania. So it's 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 something that um, uh, yeah, like it was like the the water supply got screwed up, and it was a, it was a lot of things that happened. It was and this happened in 1979, so it is definitely. I'm, definitely I'm a dumbass. Though. I got it confused. I thought you were referencing Chernobyl, and I'm like, no, Chernobyl, Chernobyl is... did not happen in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Chernobyl close. is Ukraine. That's no, in Ukraine. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's close by though. No, <laughs> um, but things when it comes to those kind of situations, like no, you have contaminants in the ground, and it's something that is the 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 key thing. It's something tangible that the public can grasp onto, and they can make it an allegory of something they already know of and experience. And no, like nuclear power these days, it's much 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 more safer than it was back forty years ago, and because it does different regulations but like way back when three mile island was a situation where those who were looking to promote nuclear power was a real black eye for those people who try to promote it um and it still kind of is to this day um so it's definitely a really good analogy and for those who know about the incident a good way to understand what their game plan is Yeah, but I like Marino. He's he's fun. I like him a lot. So I I think this brings us on to the last two little bits of uh, character arcs for this show or episode. And we touched on it briefly before with uh, Lucas and Max. Again, it's not a very long set of scenes this episode, but we definitely see Lucas bringing Max into the party without the rest of the party's approval. And I don't know if it's a desperation for Lucas wanting to get with Max or just wanting another friend or some other alternative motive, but Lucas, for some reason, just really wants to bring Max into what's going on. And I still don't know if it was the right thing to do, but because we don't know Max as a character very well yet. Bob, we know, would be trustworthy and loyal. Max is kind of a sarcastic jerk, I guess you could say. But she's fun, and Lucas wants to bring her into the group. And he, we see him taking Keith up on that bribe, which Keith references oh. the date. And it's definitely alluding back to the first episode where Keith was trying to bribe Mike with a date with Nancy. So... They don't say who the date is with, but I'm pretty sure it's very easily implied that Lucas basically offered Keith a date with Nancy if they if he reserved the back room for Max. So I, I thought that was funny and worth noting, but um, it was the Dig Dug machine that Keith broke down, quote unquote. So hence the title of the episode as well. But he basically tells her like, you know, 
if you accept the risks of the knowledge, I'll tell you. And Max just thinks he's full of shit and still doesn't believe him. So it's just funny of how desperate Lucas wants to bring Max in. But no matter what he tells her, she doesn't believe a word he says. So it's just Max annoys me a little bit in these episodes. It's just I don't know if it's just I, young I honestly angst. understood where Max was coming from with at, at a point again in, in this episode. She understands, oh, okay, this is actually something that I need to be taking seriously. But I, I get why at first, because they, they, you know, they play D&D, they talk all this fantastical stuff. I can see why she thinks these kids just have a really vivid imagination and maybe take this a little too far. Yeah. And, but, and, it's, and it's not until she starts kind of yelling in the middle of the, the arcade stuff about like Hawkins Lab. And Lucas Lily covers her mouth and is like, "Just shut up! Like you're gonna get us They've killed." Got good, they have good on on screen chemistry, and yes. they are two of my favorite actors in this series amongst the kids. Um, I, I really think that at, as we go further along, you'll 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 see more of that as well. But uh, Sadie, I mean Caleb McLaughlin in particular, I I thought was really really strong because he he was able to show comedic range in this kind of altercation while also showing really good dramatic chops i i was really impressed with him um he's gonna be in a movie coming out uh in a few weeks called the book of clarence and it'll have been the first thing that i've seen him in since or that that isn't stranger things so i'm really looking forward to that because he's a he's a talented guy yeah let me know how that goes I, i've never even heard of that movie Oh, it looks it looks good. But and the last little scene of that sequence is when Max gets picked up by Billy. She warns Lucas, "Don't follow me out." And we've seen this a couple times where Billy's kind of warned her, like, "Hey, like, I don't want you talking to him." And we definitely see that Billy's a little bit of a an asshole racist. And uh, obviously, it's it's well known. No one's supposed to like Billy, but it's just like. Billy's dick. So that's really all I have to say about Billy. But has yeah. Billy done one likable thing except for like lovingly no. glancing at Steve's dick in the shower? No, I mean like, that's yeah. and I've tried not to talk about his character throughout this season so far, just because aside from trying to run the party over while they're on their bikes and constantly bully Steve around. He doesn't do anything other than just be a complete dick to Max. So it's just I, I don't see any noteworthy reason to talk about his story arc because he doesn't have one. That's he's just an asshole. He, he's the Tommy of this season. He's just an asshole to Steve. I think, to me at least, um, the only seed that I can see like, story arc-wise so far is the Steve and Billy story arc. Because the fact that there was one interaction with the basketball game, and I, I did put it down in my notes, where it was like, Billy went hard to him, like, like you no, know, I guess the right term is in the paint, I guess you can say. And again, I, I don't, I don't know basketball terminology. I, I guess he said he went hard in the paint. No, no, no. I'm trying to find the perfect terminology basketball wise. You like, could throw in some other words and get into a lot of trouble. Um, what, what I'm trying to say it's is like he's he, just the way you said it. Yeah, 
It's the whitest one you could have possibly said that. Well, he, my, he mind was, not, my mind is not in the gutter in this situation. He was. Oh, uh, the, it ain't the gutter. Uh, he he was. He was. He was driving in, and uh, I, Billy told Steve, "Set your feet, take the charge," as opposed to continuing to go with him and oh, draw basically the charge, get run over. Yeah, draw the charge. Uh, and but the thing is, like, he didn't have to give him that advice. So, like, true. and that's something that intrigued me because the fact that I think Billy kind of maybe may try to make it try to make an ally out of Steve. No, and... it's, it's definitely more of Billy saying, I know more than you and I'm better than you. Here's a little advice. See, yeah, I took it more at less as, hey, take the charge that way. I took it more as you can't keep up with me, so you might as well set your feet, draw the foul, because I'm just better than you. I to to me, I didn't take it that way. Cause in the shower scene, also, him's like, "Oh, ditch that girl. You can get so many more." Like he's he's trying to. Yeah, but but then he also goes, "There's plenty of bitches in the sea. I'll try and leave you some," and then walks away. See, he's he's trying to give yeah. the friendly well, advice, just, but in the way of. Yeah. I'm the superior guy here. You're just the, you're the leftovers. Because everything is with ERI. Everything is with that. Yeah, but don't forget that I'm on top. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I'm. I'm again. I don't know how it's going to go. You guys have already seen interactions with him in the future, but like, to me, I, I'm just intrigued how it will develop. Do you do you see there's a, do you think there's a little glimmer of hope in in Billy's future? No, I think he's a complete asshole. I'm more so okay. curious about how Steve is going to be receptive after dealing with the shit that we you know, realizing Nancy's with Jonathan again, after he, well, I guess we can kind of jump into it in a bit. Um, I don't know. I Again, I don't, to me, Steve's in limbo. Too bad for the guy. He's in limbo. Because he's not able to uh, come hard inside of the paint so to speak why why'd you have to say his name like that why'd you, why'd you say it like jonah hill from the wolf of wall street steve do not i do not know the reference for that so sure steve steve oh, watch the movie and you'll you'll get yeah, the reference you'll, you'll understand the reference <laughs> but see steve takes on a whole new role in this season and i i I'm excited for you guys to see his arc because he, he definitely adopts a new version of Steve in this show in a few episodes, but we'll, we'll get to that point. Um, and we do get to a little bit in this episode. So I think we'll switch over to the final part and that's uh, Dustin's little story arc of this show. And that's where uh, he traps his pet Demogorgon dart. There wasn't enough Dustin in this episode. I loved everything we got, though. Dustin is the comedic relief of the show, but he also, I think, has enough acting and comedic ability to hold his own story that he doesn't need help. Because just the way he interacts with people is just great. And we start off with him talking to his mom. I felt so bad for the mom. I'm just going to do it now. I felt That's so bad it. for her. She's calling for like, she's calling from use, and I'm like, 
Oh no! And it's, but it's cute and funny at the same time because you see Dustin on the phone and you quickly realize he's on a fake phone call to make his mom one to make his mom feel better, but to also get her out of the house so he can go deal with Dart. So Great it's like that. he he's that sweet kid, but at the same time he's got like that really good mis- mischievous comedic kind of vibe to him. But so he he gets his mom out of the house and. As any middle schooler does, he armed up with the best thing he had, and it was hockey pads. It was which... hockey and catcher gear. Yeah. Yes. It was a combo, too. It, it yes. was a combo. So he, he's kind of a little scrappy, but he's definitely uh, – I'm picking up he's the goalie if he ever did play hockey, but we never see him play sports. So I'm not quite sure where he got all this gear from. So in, that's a In myth- reference to uh, a nice 90s show or 90s kids show, uh, Kind of a very squid-like in Rocket Power. Yes, that yeah. that's okay. That's a good comparison. I like that. It's a great show. It's a great, it wonderful good. show. Yeah, very slept on. That, that that needs to be remade. That no, What's, no. What the hell's wrong with you? Only if it's good. Put it back on TV. That's all you need to do. If they can bring it back. Already made. I know. Already remake made. it. Yeah, but no. like make you more. Of remake it. your opinion. No. They tra- they remade Teen Titans. They, they, they trash that. Uh, that. No, what, what, what they need that. Do they need to remake fucking Blues Clues now? No, they don't need to do that. I never said they did. But anyway, so we get Dustin with his little uh, makeshift armor, dropping slices of bologna throughout the house outside towards their little storm cellar, and just. Every word out of him is just a curse. He he opens up his door and Ron is just going shit, 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 shit down the hallway. And it's just funny. It's all he does is curse all the time. And it's definitely definitely my personality coming out. I, I see a lot of myself in Dustin sometimes. And he's Alcoholic hiding in... Alcoholic who overuses profanity. Yes. Man. In a comedic way. And so we see him hiding... I don't know if it... If it's a shed or what he was hiding in, but he's sitting there watching yeah. Dart come out of the house. And quickly, Dart says, I'm not feeling the baloney anymore. I want some human. And quickly locks <laughs> on to Dustin's scent. And Dustin quickly realizes, like, all right, he's coming for me now. And just the way he charges out was just like, just that kind of slow but fast waddle motion because he's got all the pads on and just fucking slapstick darts right to the head and smacks him into the storm cellar and that's a little thud too yes <laughs> off the, off the, the cellar door like Ding! it's like ooh, that was nice, like, yeah, was nice it, it was good contact i'll give him that he's got very good hand-eye coordination but dark gets knocked down and just traps the door just in time I was waiting for Dart to kind of like jump out and like break it open while he was trying to close it, but thankfully for Dustin, he managed to lock it in. So then we get Dustin, like just a whole montage of Dustin radioing the party with Code Red. You know, shit's going down. He's sitting scrubbing all of News's uh, blood out of the carpet. So I don't know how long it's been that his mom's been out of the house looking for news, but it had to have been at least an hour at this point. But he's just sitting there scrubbing the whole time, just constantly radioing, radioing. And Erica picks up and tells him to shut the hell up. Funny scene. 
Oh, great scene. The great bratty younger sister vibe of just you're annoying and a geek. Stop radioing. It's annoying. And Dustin's like, all right, I, I'm giving up. And he just goes out because back in those days, that's how he had to do. We had to bike to everybody's house and ring the doorbell and see who was home. And another great interaction with uh, with Mr. Wheeler, the useless, useless man that he is. <laughs> it's just I love the interaction with just like all of Mr. Wheeler's answers to Dustin was just was just comical. It's just like, oh, like, where's Mike? And just calls back to his wife. Where's Nancy? Calls back to his wife. He's like, our kids don't live here. Didn't you know that? And just I felt like that was my dad because we were just always out and about God knows where. So it's just like my dad had no idea where I was half the time growing up. He just knew I was out doing something stupid, probably. And Dustin just with that great like you're really just fucking useless. You know that? And just like storms off and Mr. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, hey. What, what's your language? <laughs> just completely useless. And he, he probably he, closed the door at that point so and useless. sat right back on the couch. Yeah, he that wasn't was even scene. doing anything. And then he complained <laughs> that he had to hit the door. Like, you bum ass. Get your fucking ass up. You <laughs> like, God. I, wanna, I also want to point out, too. sucks that because he tried the phone and it's like oh your phone line's been busy for two hours his mom's been on the phone for two hours talking to someone else's phone <laughs> and that that was very true though back in those days too if you ever tried to call someone's phone and you got the busy line like ah crap like it was a deadline it's like you just had to either wait and you keep calling back and you keep getting that busy signal so you're like all right i'll just ride my bike over there and see who, you know see who's around for the youngins there was no voicemail back then i know that was the technology that came out in the 90s, I think. Th- those were back in the days where you got the, like, the class uh, roster. Like, you get everyone in your class and it would have, like, their ho- their house phone. That was your only line of communication to those people. It was like, all right, let's go to the school list of who, who's got the numbers and just start calling people. Mm-hmm. But... So then we get him running into Steve, who's giving himself a little pep talk, holding some flowers, obviously going to try and find Nancy, who Dustin quickly and rudely tells him, hey, Nancy's not home. Come with me. I need your help. Get in the car. And just completely <laughs> bought Steve around, which I thought was great. And it, it, It's no spoiler, but we definitely see a new side of Steve going forward where he kind of kind of joins the party in a way, but it's more of he's dragged into it by Dustin. And it's just great. It's just the the interaction between Steve and Dustin is pure gold, and I I want more of it. No, definitely. And, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It's like Steve's like, all right, kid. Like I'm I'm on a ride to somewhere. Like or I'm driving him somewhere. Like he's no clue what's going on. Yeah. And that's kind of shown what Steve's character has been through in the season, where he's not the popular kid at school anymore. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have any friends at all at this point that we know of because he's not friends with Tommy and Carol anymore. And him and Nancy are broken up, I guess you could say. And it's just, he doesn't have anybody. So it's like this random kid's like, hey, get in your car. He's like, all right, I guess you're my friend today. <laughs> just like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. But oh. yeah, and that, that wraps up the episode on kind of a, a light note. So... Definitely one of my favorite episodes of the season. Not the top favorite, but 
it's definitely getting up there. But if anything, if you guys have any other things to say, but I say we go on to ratings and wrap this episode up because it's coming on 90 minutes at this point. It's been a long one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, I am going to give it a 8.9. Um, again, I score, I score higher, Mitchell, than average compared to you guys. That's true. Like, that is very that, true. Like, this is compared to season one. Like, I score, I scored multiple episodes in season one over nine, and I had two that were 8.9. So, th- to me, this feels right to me and again i really enjoy this episode I, I there's a lot of things that were going on that i am intrigued about so and again i thought it was better than last week so 8.9 it is nick well i'm gonna bring down the average here uh <laughs> do it man not, that's all right not intentionally but you know i we, I we want your honest opinion saying i don't think it was a this is the this is i have to preface this by i don't think it was a bad episode i don't by any means think it was a bad episode i think just the way that i guess that i perceived it the way it came across for me was that i just didn't think a lot happened so because of that and a few things that i did enjoy from it i i'm just gonna flat give it like a, a seven and a half seven point five that's higher than I thought Absolutely. you would give it, honestly. Just leave it at that. I, I thought yeah. you were going to cross it. I was like first thinking like a seven. No, I was at first thinking like a, a seven. But then I thought, um, then I, I got reminded of, uh, you know, the, the whole part with, with 11. And I thought that was like actually very important, like you said. So then that, that kind of bumped it up by half. But everything else was, you know, kind of, eh. At least to me, just to me. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna give it a eight point three. Um, because like I said, it's definitely one of my more favorite episodes of this season. But as a whole, I think this season was definitely the weak link of the show. But I like the character arcs in the show. I like the new, almost the new pairings. I guess you can say you have more of a Joyce Bob team up in this episode with Mike, you have Lucas and Max teaming up, which are a great combination. And then you have Dustin and Steve at the end to kind of tie it together. And that's definitely the, the highlight. And then of course, Murray Murray was hands down my favorite character of this season. So his introduction is just what made it really good for me. So 8.3. Cool. Um, Mitchell prediction. You Mitchell, you have your thing written down. I don't have it written down, but I know what it is, and I I wouldn't lie to you guys. Sure. Um, I'm gonna go for an eight point zero one. Tommy, damn, I gotta change my now. You can't. It wasn't. It wasn't eight point zero one, but I was thinking eight point one zero. Now I feel like that's dangerously close. Hey, but go with because, it. Go you got. because of our 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 time, I'm I'm just gonna say eight point ten. Leave okay. it at that. I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with an eight point four eight. Wow, really high. 
I don't know. The, I, I think I think you're over the prices right rules on that one, bud. I, I think so, but Mitchell was optimistic in saying that he liked this episode, so I, I don't know. I, I'm Mitchell, feeling, I'm feeling hopeful on this one. Are we all over? Because I have a feeling we are. <laughs> Eight. Point five five. That's wow. right. That's fucking right. That's okay. uh that's where I fall on this. I think we spent a lot of time. The reason why I think you guys went over is because we spent a lot of time talking about the stuff that didn't interest me quite as much. And I don't think it took up quite as much of the episode as it took as it took in our episode talking about mm-hmm. it. And I like yeah. Bob in those aspects. There wasn't quite as much hopper. Um, which is usually a you know a bad thing. I usually like to have a lot of Hopper, but stuff with Dustin was really good. I thought all the stuff with Eleven and her mom was fantastic, and I, I liked hearing what uh, you guys had to say about it, Nick and Connor, because um, it is one of the more out of uh, left field, I guess, elements of this particular episode, because um, it, it goes to some pretty dark places, and I liked the character interactions and it reminded me of stuff that i've grown to love in future episodes so 8.55 we're back on track and i'm back on uh, track of being the winner so thank you 8.3125 is the average and this oh. is why you guys i know you like to rag on me and make fun of me and be like oh mitchell you're precise accurate all that bullshit but it also gives us a much more detailed score so that when this is all said and done and we can like rank our episodes we're Rachel, gonna have a much we, more specific... we made this segment to make fun of you yes <laughs> and i am talking about this right now you realize this, while, <laughs> while you are making fun of me i'm shitting on your head uh I'm still going to laugh. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, averages, no matter what, are still going to work that way. To uh, to quote uh, Paul Giamatti from one of my favorite movies this year, uh, The Holdovers, uh, my grade, my, my this, this little section is a hen house ladder, shitty and short. Uh, well said, sir. Well said. All righty then. Um, I think that's everything, correct, gentlemen? It's been a yeah, long that's, one. That's it. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for listening in to our wonderful episode here. We have next week, we have episode six. Yeah, episode six, The yep. Spy. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, um, follow our socials, you know, usual stuff, um, at, the, uh, at Stranger Nerds. Um, on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and we'll see you next time for uh, episode six. Have a good one.